What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Uh, it's a scary statement. Uh, you know, usually we think about, you know, these, you know, cars or airplanes or, or lightning or all sorts of things that could be dangerous to us. Rarely do we think that medications that even are prescribed to us with the goal of making us more comfortable after surgery could be so dangerous, but it's a sobering reality that patients are facing and doctors are facing in 2019. Now, why is this? Well, it, that's, it's controversial. We don't, we don't really know why. A lot of people have opinions about it. Once upon a time, doctors were strongly encouraged to uh, make sure that patients had no pain. And in fact, there was a movement to have pain as being the quote-unquote fifth vital sign. So uh, there was a big uh, push to communicate, and that's what we realized we did once upon a time to, to sort of engineer make patients more comfortable after surgery and after pain and after sprains and muscle strains and all of this stuff. So uh, that coupled with, uh, you know, a lack of follow-up and a lack of understanding of, of the potential abuse and misuse of these medications has really evolved into a, a big problem. We've got Dr. Evan joining us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast. Um, the number one and not likely uh, widely utilized alternative to narcotics for pain control uh, that you swear by. Tell us a little about this, because uh, we, we've been hearing a lot about this lately. Well, the biggest, as, as a physician, as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, I'm doing surgery on people with the goal of getting them better, and certainly surgery hurts. But in my practice, I tend to start, um, you know, with an overall goal of reducing the amount of narcotics that I prescribe to patients. So we have a lot of talk about how much pain is appropriate, how much pain is tolerable, how much pain medications they'll get. It starts there, but more part, importantly, intraoperatively and postoperatively, I incorporate a whole bunch of pain medicines that are not narcotics. That sounds really basic and really intuitive, and it is. It's just not something that's been practiced for a while. For example, I work very closely with my anesthesiologists, and they are able to perform nerve blocks, which are procedures that are done under ultrasound where they inject long-lasting long-lasting local anesthetics. That's the type of stuff that most people think about when they go to the dentist and you get your, your tooth numbed up before they take it out. That's a local anesthetic. And we even have available now uh, long-acting local anesthetic. The name of that medicine is called Exparol. And so that allows people to have long-lasting two or three-day pain relief in their arm or their leg well before the surgery even begins. And then after surgery, yes, I do give people some narcotics. It's, it's supervised. It's limited. But I also focus on incorporating a whole bunch of other medicines. There are uh, nerve modulator medicines. There are strong anti-inflammatories. There are Tylenol. And all these things are used together. Sometimes patients have minimal pain. Sometimes they have no pain. Oftentimes they need absolutely no narcotics. So there are strategies out there that are evolving that uh, really aim to decrease the, the potential risk of these medicines after a surgery. We've got Dr. Evan joining us today here on Skype Audio. He is fantastic, and uh, one of the top sports medicine doctors in America is with us today here on our big program. Now, um, 
tell us why you say that knee and hip replacement isn't always the right thing to do, even if your doctor advises it. Well, I'm always looking, as a surgeon, I love to operate, and that makes me just like every other orthopedic surgeon in the country. However, I'm always looking for non-operative ways to take care of patients, which sometimes is a little bit surprising. So, you know, what, what is included in all this non-operative treatment? Because, you know, I personally think that sometimes, you know, surgeons pull the trigger potentially too quickly. So there are physical therapies and there are assistive devices like, you know, canes and walkers and there are injections that you can get around a joint or in the joint. There are medications, non-narcotic medications, by the way, that people can take. There are activity modifications. And so I really encourage and often uh, force patients to try some combination of all of this stuff before they get to the point where you do a hip or a knee replacement, which is a big surgery and a good surgery if you need it. But certainly most patients prefer to not get exposed to those risks unless it's an absolute necessity. Got Dr. Evan joining us today here on our broadcast. He is coast to coast and boulder to boulder. Tune in iTunes. Radio loyalty is fantastic. And uh, he's a board certified orthopedic surgeon with advanced training in sports and upper extremity reconstruction at uh, MedStar Washington Hospital in uh, Washington, D.C. Now, give me your thoughts on President Trump's uh, comment that he'd be hesitant to let his son play football and uh, also. Do you let your kids play the sport when they're older? Give, give us some breakdown and details on this. Yeah, that's a great question. And sometimes my professional answer is not always in line with my personal answer. <laughs> um, okay, well then give us both. <laughs> I'm going to give you both. You ask for both, you'll get both. Okay, um, awesome. You know, yes. Certainly football. You know, football is a violent sport. That's one of you know, several sports that are a little bit more violent and a little bit more inherently dangerous. And we know that with multiple contacts and multiple uh, concussions, you can get long-lasting and even permanent brain injuries. So, you know, personally, if I could encourage my children not to expose themselves to risk, whether it's playing a particular sport or football or some other recreational activity, I think I probably personally would steer them away from that. That being said, I am hopeful that with a combination of rule changes coupled with, you know, what I anticipate uh, some technological advances in helmets or, or padding and whatnot, hopefully as some of these new rules and some of these new technologies take root, especially in the NFL, and then those are applied and uh, adopted and embraced in college and high school, uh, maybe some of these dangerous risks could be mitigated. We've got Dr. Evan with us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast here on Skype Audio, and uh, he's with us today. Uh, he's a board-certified orthopedic surgeon. He is fantastic, and uh, he is the go-to physician for the most complex orthopedic issues in the nation's capital. Now, um, the, the, the top sports doctors uh, from this Super Bowl, including the Patriots, Tom Brady, uh, there's a lot of folks that are still wondering uh, why he's able to compete at the level that he can at 41 years old. Give me your educated guess and everything on this. Yeah, no, nobody knows for sure, but uh, and I think this is multifactorial, you know, a couple different reasons. I mean, certainly uh, it is well versed that Tom Brady has a very particular and some might say unique uh, nutritional and rehabilitative routine. Um, it's been written about extensively, and you know, is it based in in evidence that uh, you know 
doctors would refer to. You know, probably not. It's hard to disagree with the results, though. He's certainly uh, operating at a very high level at a, at a traditionally you know, higher age than the average NFL guy. That being said, some people are just fortunate. Um, you know, he might be blessed with some genetics and some luck. You know, the last thing that a lot of people who know more about football than me would suggest is that as the rules have changed with the goal of creating a more safe environment, especially for the football players and, more importantly, the quarterbacks, as the quarterbacks, in some ways, is protective of that position. So I think combination of genetic luck, nutrition, and rule changes that have really allowed him to excel at a, at a very high level at a, an older age. We have got uh, a great doctor with us today. Now, before we let you go, Dr. Evan, how do we find you online? Oh, you can always find me in Washington, D.C. If you go to ZocDoc.com, Z-O-C-D-O-C, you can always make an appointment to see me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I really take care of about just every, about everything head to toe. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. You have yourself a wonderful afternoon. Thanks for being with us today. Much appreciated. Look forward to coming back one day. Thank you, my friend. There he goes, Dr. Evan, and we are going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more coming up. On the other side, it is the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are coast-to-coast and border-to-border. We've got...